there's just times when like one person can't handle everything or like two people can't handle everything. It's like, I would be on stage with a fucking baseball bat like <laughs> straight, straight up next to the band playing, making sure kids are staying in line. What is up, my friends? Thanks again for tuning in. This is the Scoped Exposure Podcast. I think if you're an avid fan of this show and you've checked out all the episodes, when it comes to like maybe name dropping or talking about a band that has really been influential to me in like very odd ways, um, there's no band uh, as far as associating with a member that I can I can't think of anyone else other than uh, Easy Money. And I've wanted to have Troy on the show for a long ass time and you know we're finally here we're making it happen um I've just been a fan of his projects and just his you know vocal styles and like just seeing how much that he's done even from an outsider's perspective of putting on for a scene that I don't think gets enough love um you know it was it was very much a must for me to make that happen especially as we're heading towards the end of our our third season here but without further ado I got Troy from Two Guns and X Easy Money on the Scoped Exposure Podcast. Thanks for joining me, my friend. What's up? What's up? Good to be here. Yeah, like I'm I'm glad that we've finally connected. Um, and I'm glad it's at this time. And I'm glad it's at this moment because you know, timing's everything. And I think uh up until this moment, it's been a it's been a wild ride. So I'm ready to get into it. Hell yeah, brother. Um, so before we get into any of the music chats, uh, we have to check a Bev. It's a must. You're going for uh, a swig, but how about you talk about a little bit about what you're... American classic right here. <laughs> you can't go any meal without a Coke. You need one. It's just the number one Bev. And the reason why is because it tastes good to chug. And it's just the Coke. Like, you just... <laughs> it, like, cola. It, it is, it is what it is. Like it is what it is. Cheers. Are you um are you a a a Coke aficionado where you go somewhere and they only have Pepsi and you're like, I guess I'm not drinking that today. I'm not picky. I'll drink anything. Like I'll give it a shot. If I don't like it, then I'll be like, eh. But I will. I'll, I'll definitely be like, if you have house brands or whatever, like whatever works. Right. I'll just like order like fucking mixed beverage or something you know yeah <laughs> yeah we uh we just we had uh my in-laws over and we ordered some pizza and there's an italian um grocery store just down the street from me and i got a i don't know if you had brio before but it's in a it's in a glass bottle and it's like it's just like an italian coca-cola um that goes really well with pizza but you know coca-cola is like the ultimate you know hero <laughs> to die with so <laughs> Yeah, it is. Um, so I'm drinking something that I I think actually because we we've had some um, uh, some times where we've set it up and we haven't been able to make it work. But I think this is the bev that I was supposed to drink the last time we were scheduled to do this. But finally doing it. Um, so it's called so the brand's called Zoa, 
and it's a energy drink with zero sugar and it's a cherry limeade flavor. Um, never had it. Going to be going in, you know, blind with the taste buds and we're going to see how it goes. But I need a, you know, it's in the middle of the day. I need a little pick me up. We'll pick it. into it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Bev check where I come from is like favorite beverage. You're yes. trying the new beverage. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a Bev aficionado and I need I love to, that. you know, try love to, that. you know, try the new water. So cheers to you, man. Really excited to yeah. finally be doing this. Let's go. Let's go. Also cherry limeade is like such a fantastic color combination Fire. on its own. Great together. All powerful. Um, so Troy, usually when, uh, someone who's on the show here for the first time, they've never, you know, um, you know, talked about, I guess their background. I always get to kind of pick your brain about like your origin story when it comes to like hardcore music or heavier music. So talk to me about like kind of what initially put you on the path and, you know, led us to this very moment right here. I mean, like in, I was born in 94, so I'm 29, right? Mm -hmm. Growing up, like my parents were, my mom was like full on punk, like spiked head, you know, type deal. Okay. Um, my father was hair metal. Uh, I grew up around that. So fast forward into getting like middle school era. Um, I'm starting to hear bands on the radio that I, you know, obviously like I'm into new metal and all this stuff that, that everyone's into. And I'm starting to hear from friends that there's like grind bands around. There's like mm. this different style of music. And that's middle school. So like around middle school, I remember one of my friends um, and his name was Andrew Flores took me to a grind show and it ended up being harm's way with a bunch of grind bands in a oh, store. Okay. And it was like early on in their career. And it was, it was pretty nuts. Um, that was my first exposure to it. And uh, then we graduated to high school, different set of friends, didn't see him again for a long time. Um, and at that point in high school, it was like, I kind of knew there was like three people at my school that like listened to heavy music. You could just tell, um, at least in my grade. Mm. So those became my, you know, that became my circle for a while. And we would, we would uh, search for, like the most violent extreme videos we could find of, of live shows mm -hmm. to find, to find bands to listen to. So mainly it's, 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 it's more about like the discovery and like falling down the rabbit hole. I feel like I felt down the rabbit, I fell down the rabbit hole, like freshman year was just like the start of it. And then I was really heavily and still am into death core, death metal, like extreme music, grind, anything like, Anything shocking, I love. That goes for hip hop too. Like both sides of the spectrum. If it's ignorant, I love it. Yeah. So, so I'm just kind of curious about like the why behind. If it's so like, like the stuff that's kind of like middle of the road, or like it pushes a little bit of boundaries, but not like I'm. I'm curious if there's reasons that if it doesn't push enough boundaries or like is that extreme it might not like tickle your there's, as much. there's there's too many of of the to me too many of those types of bands sound the same mm -hmm. when i'm shocked by music or when i'm you know caught off guard or i pique my interest i'm interested is rare 
And that may just be me like being old or whatever, you know, getting older or whatever. But um, I just find that like, there's so much that doesn't push the barrier. It's easy to consume. Everyone loves it. Great. Awesome. Some of it's got good parts, like great, but the stuff on the fringes it's overlooked is sometimes like the best music. Yeah. And did you feel that way? Even like when you were first discovering everything? I was, I was digging as deep as I can to find like, I didn't know anything about hardcore at all. Like I, I didn't know anything. And I really didn't learn until, you know, like old, 18 years old, right? 19, getting into like scene politics and things like that. Um, at that age, uh, that's a tough question, man. Like, I just, I just thought like, there's always gotta be something heavier or there's always gotta be something crazier that I haven't heard. And there always was, there always will be. There's always going to be someone pushing the boundaries. And I'm just a fan of that. I like that. idea. like, even at work, when I work, I push the boundaries of what I can do at work. You know what I mean? Like that's why my lifestyle is, that's how I feel about the music that I listen to as well. Needs to match up. Yeah, that's so interesting to me because I think that there are definitely, and I don't think everyone has this trait where, you know, they might, I, I almost think of like, there's different like, like tears of like, you know, someone discovering hardcore for the first time, like, especially if they're getting into it, like in 2024, you know, you might, you know, listen to like a lot of the, like, you know, the main flat spot roster or like certain bands that are really having, you know, a meme here, or like a crazy live show. Personal success. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I think like, at least for me, when, and this kind of goes into where we'll go eventually, but like easy money was a band where like, I didn't know any other bands from Arizona. And like, I think you guys were just doing something that was now looking back, I think you guys were way ahead of your time when it comes to like just songwriting and just different things, but even just like different ways that you guys would like do shit. Like, you know, you, you mentioned how you and your friends would just look at like mosh, uh, like music videos and things. And like, we would write my, and you guys had that on like your band camp and i've never seen that to this day from any other band we we obviously heavily influenced by by like ruction records bands and like um like there's some there's some labels out there like early trust kill stuff's heavy like um we definitely at the time we started easy money i know we probably skipped part of the conversation if we're jumping to this right now yeah. But well, we can we can circle back. That's kind of the beauty circle of this back. Whole thing. <laughs> when we were when we wrote Easy Money, we were in a garage living together. Me and my roommate, the guitarist for Easy Money, Mookie. He, he's a good, great composer. Um, and I was just like, let's write. He's from Osaka, Japan, by the way. Um, I was like, let's write something that would make people move in the way that we see in these like these videos growing up together. You know, so we were writing what we would want to dance to or listen to. Or right. I remember being in the garage, like actually fucking like moshing to, to the parts <laughs> we're writing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You, so, you were field testing it. You yes. Know, before it yes. goes out. <laughs> Straight up. Straight up. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's so funny how you guys like reverse engineered. Like you watch the videos and you're like, okay, let's try to figure out, like, let's mute the video. What and then like, that like, way. Yeah. Dude, that's fucking crazy. Um, 
But like, I think to circle back to the first point I was trying to say, like, there are some people that are more than content to just like check out the bands that are like popping at the time. But like, some of my best friends in the world and the people that I I I find I align myself with most is like connecting off of like loving a really crazy band that's like from a very small town of like a crazy part of the world like that shit is like that to me is a benchmark of like if someone's really about like discovering new music not just kind example, of going with the flow like one one example i'll give you this band dictator from sendai city in japan okay it's spelled with a k d-i-k-t-a-t-o-r heaviest fucking band i've ever seen live like the recordings are sick no one knows them anywhere. They're in the middle of nowhere in Japan. Like, I listen to that band daily when I work out. Dude. You know? Like, that's, that's, my, that, that's my type of, my, my bag of tea. And I'll also, like, current bands, like, this this hat, Human Garbage. Love that band. Like, yeah. when it comes to, like, current hardcore, I'm still in the loop with it. And I still, like, like a lot of the bands. Paint of Truth had the craziest set for the children. Like, I'm loving that. I'm loving a lot of the new shit that's coming out. And a lot of it, um, as I've grown older and listen to more music is rehashed versions of older shit right for sure yeah yeah so i guess like moving along uh let's talk about easy money and then we're going to move on to some of like the more current projects that you're doing but like talk to me about is that was that like your first band like kind of doing shit was that like were you playing guitar and learning how to do that and then move to vocals or were you like destined to, to be fronting bands so I, I never, ever tried to learn an instrument, ever. Mm. And I was always intrigued by, like, ranges that vocalists would hit. That's why I liked extreme music so much, is, like, what can you do to manipulate manipulate your voice to that caliber to hit those ranges? Mm. So I was in bands in high school that were, like, super, like, gurgly death metal bands. The first band I ever booked, 2006, I Declare War, right? Like, I booked them at the Badlands when I was, like, 13 years old, 14 years old. Like have my dad, I could not could not pay, pay the guarantee, so I had I had to have my dad bail me out and then like oh. take my allowance, like because I, <laughs> Are you serious? I I couldn't promote it. Right? How it long insane. of allowance did you have to pay for I declare war's guarantee at the time? I don't know, but I know it was worth it because I love it <laughs> at the time. At the time, I loved it, and like it Dude, got me into cooking. Yeah, it got me into booking. It got me into understanding. It got me into realizing. Like, I booked uh, like Chelsea Grin before they were Chelsea Grin. They were a Manhattan Project. Like, I did a lot of that shit when I was younger too. But then, yeah, like that. That's how I got into the booking side of things. That started also in high school. But uh, continue on to where you are currently. Yeah. So like, so it sounds like you're doing vocals. Um, has easy money at the time was easy money okay. just the same band of brothers doing shit yeah that's no where we're at. no so this is where we're at so no they were not what happened was i went through my high school projects i graduated high school i was homeless i think the day i turned turned 18 i was like fuck you got a head tattoo to my parents like i was homeless for a minute like i had like fucking like $600 to my name saved up. And I flew out to a 2012 sound and fury in Santa Barbara okay. and watched the beautiful ones play and watch who is now two guns. And mostly most of them are two guns and watched like a lot of bands. And like, I think it was that moment 
that inspired me to be like, you know what, for the, I don't really fucking care. Like, this is what I want to do. I don't care if I'm like homeless or miserable, whatever, living out of my civic. Like I want to just be at shows. Like, I just want to be part of the culture. I want to have fun. I want to, you know, listen, like I was relating a lot to the music, so angsty and yeah, it really was a like a passionate fest. I'll always remember Sound of Fury 2012. That was like mm. the moment, the, the defining moment that I knew I need to be like in a band. So I go back to Arizona. I take the band that I'm in more seriously. It was called Illbreed, um, who have now moved on to projects that we'll get into later. Um, but Illbreed was my first band that toured. And we went to Southwest United Fest, which is our like Southwest gathering of bands. I think we hosted four of those, or we hosted one of them and attended three. Arizona hosted one, New Mexico hosted one, Nevada host or uh, not Nevada, Colorado. And each time it would be like a, a group of hardcore bands from the Southwest uniting to play, right? So we kept in touch with each other. Long ass drives, like these cities are so far apart. El Paso so far away. Like it's not hard, it's not easy to keep our geographical scene together. So we were doing Southwest United Fest a lot with Illbreed. And uh, when Illbreed broke up, it was really unexpected. We we're just like, I think the drummer quit and the guitarist was like, fuck this. And I was like, fuck you. And we like broke up. Um, Mookie sends me some demos. Mookie's like, yo man, like record some vocals to this. And I was just like having fun and recording and like flowing and shit. And um, He's like, let's meet up. So we meet up. He's living at his mom's house. Like, I think we're both like, just like down and out. Like, I'm like, you know, let's like go in, get on a lease, try to see if our credit will work. And he moved into, we moved into this little like fucking house garage thing. And just like for months, just like sat there and wrote and wrote, and wrote, wrote. And eventually easy money was like the end, end result. Um, and uh, when easy money transferred to two guns, when, when the easy money's time was done, two guns was not a transfer. It was like a reset. It's like, I want to reset what I'm doing in hardcore and I want to have a purpose and a message and blah, blah, blah. You know, right. I want to make sure that my music is more m- matches my age this time because right. we were writing those songs when we were like 21, 20, you know, like way different time, way different life, whole different person, you know? Yeah. It, it's crazy to hear just how that band just came out of like, you know, two guys just like trying to, figure it out and just moving in together and just you know versus like you guys are living separately and then have to meet up to write i'm sure you're like fucking making fucking chicken nuggets and then it's like yo like what do you think of this oh, just oh, we're, bust bro, out. bro we're, we're we're having house shows in the backyard we're smoking fucking pounds of weed we're <laughs> we're drinking gallons of hennessy we're like sipping lean we're the easy money writing sessions were the most degenerative times besides unit four of my life <laughs> Like they were epic in the sense that we were young and stupid and having fun and writing an EP that we like end up loving forever. Mm -hmm. Um, But also bad in the fact that we were just like no care about our future, no care about the impact it has to tour on your career, like making money. How do you do that with the band? We had no idea what we were doing ever until like almost the very end of our career as a band. So it's so interesting. It's like you're a garage band. 
Yeah, literally. <laughs> um, I think sonically, Easy Money was always like very intriguing to me because I didn't meet a lot of people that knew of you guys, especially at the time when I was like first listening. Much later, yeah, people would be like, oh, yeah, I've, I've heard of that band or I would listen. But a uh, mutual friend of ours, uh, Cam from These Streets, I think he said it best and explained it to me. He's like, Easy Money is just ADHD hardcore. And you just you don't have to really understand it. You just have to mosh. Do you agree? Do you feel like there's more to that? I, I feel like spot on. I feel like EP one compositionally, yes, the writing structure there is no cohesion cohesion at all, right? And I think that like we tried to push towards cohesion at one point, and it, we ended up being unhappy with the release rules of the game. And then we were like, "Fuck it, let's just go full beat down with the two song that we wrote." Yeah. So. Um, honestly, I, I love that you said that though. Sonically, I was never happy with Easy Money sonically, except the first release. Interesting. Did you feel like you just captured some special magic and some chaos, and then you? It was. Never it was the perfect it? storm, bro. It was the perfect storm, and like the lyricism, the type, the timing, where, where I was at personally, like where where the band was at. We were all best friends, like. We were doing it because we loved it for fun, not for we owe a label to albums or this right. or that, right? It was pure, right? And then it got diluted over time. And I still think that like, I still, like I have friends that hit me up all the time. They're like, man, bring easy money back, dude. Just do it. I'm like, no, nah, let it die. Let, the no let, let it be notorious, whatever. I don't care. Yeah. Let people wonder. You know, yeah. but well, I appreciate you letting me like punish you so much about this old project no. of yours. No, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Um, like just just talking about the like menace is off of the first release, I think. But it is that song. I still listen to it to this day, and it's like the fact that you guys put three rug pull moments as far as like, oh, the song's over gotcha and then you guys did it again it has it just is so crazy i think that's yeah. like in my opinion that might be i would give that like i would put that in the top 100 most creatively written hardcore songs of thank all time you. thank you uh, obviously i have a huge bias but like i thank still you. listen to that i'm like this song could end but we're just going back for do more you, do you know what that does to a crowd live Oh, dude, it's just a full like body reset. It's insane. It's it's like that track was written. Yes, we wanted three stops in it. And yeah, we wanted people to feel like it was over and then hit you with something ridiculous. And I think we achieved it with that song. And that to this day, like that's probably one of my favorite tracks we wrote. Yeah, it was it was easy to write too. like. I remember that when we banged that one out in two days, like just which is like. I I could not name any other songs that start like like there's so many moments of them like this is Mookie is a really good guitarist man and we would literally sing out the riffs together like I want this to be like like we would talk it out then he'd play it like he'd interpret what I was saying so it was almost like conducting the right riff over the right drum pattern type shit. And cool to see that it like turned into a record that I was proud of at the time. Like for sure. Con considering the way it was written and the yeah. and the conditions it was written in, like for sure. 
did you did you find that it was like everyone was on the same page as far as the writing style like as far as you writing lyrics for it was it like really challenging or was it like oh we're just like bro we, we we just we just went in we went in knocked it out did it like i think lyrics took like obviously like i went back and revised them but i wrote them all as we were writing the songs to the parts and then would record them as we were recording the songs and then take out what I didn't like, keep what I did like. And then at the end of the day, we'd have like, like all the vocals I would see in a song. And then we delete what I, what, what, what doesn't make sense. Right. And then I track it all as much as I could in one take when we went to our producer, because this is all during pre-pro. Yeah. Then we take our tracks to, to the producer, Ryan Bram, who did the first record. He's like, that's not how I do it. Like you got to do the full song. So, um, I did vocals. I think I, man, like, yeah, we just, it was easy. It was just easy. I don't know how to explain it. Like it was just easy at the time. And I remember thinking at the time, like it's going to turn out bad, blah, 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 like whatever. And it turned out good. So. Yeah. And I think there's definitely like, I think there is a little bit of magic. Cause I do, I do really like the second EP as well, but I feel like, if I if I am only getting stuck in a in a one EP loop, it's it's always the first. It's Midas touch, Midas yeah, touch, all absolutely. Agreed. Um, I mentioned this earlier, but like another thing early on that I noticed that you guys did is like any like Easy Money music videos or like like visually, it was always just like very like four twenty p or four eighty p at times like mosh footage, and it was like. At the time, I I don't think a lot of other bands, whether it was hardcore, beatdown, or anything in between, were really like grasping. Like that was an era where people were like, "Fuck music videos altogether." Yeah. So like, I know that you know you were watching those videos of people moshing, but like, how did you see that as like a a way for people to discover you, or do you think it also created a bit of like a? I've always had this idea where I think when when videos and are captured of bands, it almost like creates a permission to act that way. When you go see that band, if that makes you're sense. going to act the way that you've seen all of our music videos played out. Once you hear that song. Yeah. So there's one, I think the most recent one that we released was Nagase Kings. Um, that video was literally like people's stories, like their story footage combined with HD footage, combined with camcorder footage, combined with whatever we got from tour, like people tagging us and us saving it in a screen cap and then me editing it all. Like, Oh, so I, you did all the editing for did all the editing for everything. Yeah. So I was like, I had an intent in mind and it was like, let's make the last video we're going to do, which is not going to say Kings, the most visceral video possible. Let's make it like the most bloody, like mosh footage, people get knocked out type shit um and just go out with a bang and then that was it Mm -hmm. yeah you guys really did go out with a bang and you know like i I think just geographically it was like removed and unfortunately never got to see you guys live but like if there's any one-offs like i'm at a place now where i hope that you let me know (laughs) and i I got be there for sure um let's let's transition to you know easy money ends and then kind of like how soon is the idea of two guns like be like coming into the mix was it like 
you know, a, a, a seamless transition or was there an intentional gap that you wanted to have in between? Um, easy money wrapped up the same time unit four did. Mm-hmm. So with unit four closing, that was the end of that chapter. Um, well, easy money and unit four were still happening in tandem to a degree, right? To a degree. Yeah. And then when, when the unit closed, the band basically just, we're done. Call the quits just because of, you know, overall things that were taking place at the time. Um, what, uh, what happened in between was I decided money was probably pretty important because I was broke. Um, I got a job doing inside sales. So essentially selling employees to employers Mm -hmm. and, uh, did really well for a long time. Um, overcame some crazy fucking addiction problems. Um, that was tough. And uh, during that period, Anthony from The Beautiful Ones hit me up. He's like, hey, I got an EP written. You want to come do vocals on it? And I'm like, Anthony, to me, like I grew up 17 years old or 18 years old at his shows, watching him play in The Beautiful Ones you know, going to Sound and Fury, watching them play. Like, I'm, I, I think I thought he was like the greatest guy ever. You know what I mean? Like I was stoked as hell. He was, he was a homie. He's a big homie, you know? Like, so I show up to the studio. Um, it's him. It's Eddie. Um, I record some vocals or I think I try to spit some vocals over them playing live or something, or I don't, I don't really know what, what, like how it transpired, but I remember just ending up with that first release of music and recording vocals on it and dropping it like right after I got my shit clean and shit together. And like, that was almost a rushed release, I would say, but like, it was almost like split up two and two parts too, as well. Cause I had to take a break in between for treatment and stuff. So right. the first two guns release was, was fractured almost the second two guns release that's when Tom from Trail Lives and Warhound joined us. That's when George joined us from Reasons and from, you know, uh, a couple other bands. Can't think of the names right now. Sorry, George. Um, <laughs> but besides that, that's how it all came together. So we all wrote the last release together as a band. That's the two on sound that we're going for moving forward. Right. Yeah. It and I think that there's like definitely because there's members of Easy Money like or past that are in Two Guns right now. Or are you the only one? I'm the only one. Okay, so I might I might be mixing up uh, a couple of things, or maybe maybe it was at the time. But I think there's like, I <laughs> it's almost like Easy Money. I don't think there should be any other bands that have the um, attention deficit problems songwriting wise that Easy Money had. But I feel like there's a like the best parts of what I would view your presence in that old project, I feel that and then some for, for two guns. And it oh, feels like, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And it well, almost, it, it sounds like, like just with life and all the other things going on, like the beginning of that band was just you turning over a new leaf in your life yeah. and just heading. Everything's to, more refined. Right? It's more real. It's more, it's more about what it's supposed to be about, which is, what you're passionate about and at the end of the day like 
there's a lot of things that I'm passionate about. And there's a lot of things that like I can't do wrong in life or I fuck up and life goes away and I'm blessed with a good job. I'm blessed with a good band, you know, blessed with good friends and keep it that way every single day. That's yeah. all I can, you know. Was there a specific reason that you guys wanted to start off with your first release be called Rest in Peace? Because it was kind of like, here's the first thing. I'm like, are you, is it just like a one and we're out of here kind of thing? Or I don't know. Personally, personally, I died. So I had to be be revived, right? So when I was revived, I found out I blew blew a heart valve, right? So I got one left. So I got one left. So it's like, it was almost like a death sentence. Cause like if I have a heart attack again or any sort of like heart issues, I'm dead, like whatever. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was almost a joke, but also it sounded hard. So just kept it. <laughs> it's also a bit of a power move to come out as your first release. Just being like, it's almost like a zombie in, in yeah. a sense. You're like coming out of the grave. <laughs> Were there any like specific things, I guess, l- lyrically that, I guess for two guns that you wanted to to write that were like specifically different from how you wrote for Easy Money, or is it kind of like um, you should retell your life? Uh, it's for two guns. It depends on the song, right? Like, um, for example, "Rest in Peace" is literally the story of my life, right? But I mean, lyrically, and then there's songs that are you know about literally just like every day is a struggle to survive. How are you going to do it? you know, try to pump you up type shit. Mm. Um, motivational, not motivational, whatever I'm feeling at the moment. Right. That's how lyrically, that's how I write. I just match the, uh, the vibe to the words and the words to the uh, rhythm. And I think lyrically on the first release, I just had a lot of fun with it. You know, Mm. I just, had a lot of fun with it. Told, told, I told a lot of truths on it. You know what I mean? And uh, Ready for War, the last one that we released, is like a really focused like attempt at telling a message. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel like sonically, like the latest EP was just everything just like if we're spread this far for rest in peace, ready for war was like, you got, it, it literally is like, it's almost like self-aware in a way. Like you guys are ready. And here's the proof of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we, we, we named it that as well because of that. We were like, we're a full band now. Like, let's fucking get it. Let's write good songs, you know, mm-hmm. that we all love. And think- George, George recorded it. Like he's our guitarist. So it's, easy to get together and meet up and link and, and write. We're all adults and I got Sledgehammer going on and doing that shit. Yeah. Well, I, I want to get to Sledgehammer in a second because I feel like that's got a a story of its own. I, I did want to talk a little bit more, I guess, like broadly about, you know, Arizona hardcore in general because I think that there is a, like, it's so, it's so interesting to me as someone living in Canada where it's like, you know, I'm pretty much just like straight north of you and we're not like dead center or like, you know, but there is an aspect of like, if it's not on the coast, it's like, I don't give a fuck about it, you know? And a lot of those scenes that are on the coast are naturally going to get those like more tours, but even just going one state over 
and being in Arizona, it's like it's still like a uh, well, w- we might as well not. So I guess like yeah. packages skipping us, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, we definitely have that problem. Like we've had that problem here and there. But I think overall, like when when I was able to book when I had Unit Four, I was taking any and every package. Just you know, let let's route you through here. Easier route to San Diego, easier route to LA, you know, like just come through trust that will pay you, et cetera. And we we kept that going for a long, long, long time. But uh it's interesting because like LA is the hot spot. Then you have Arizona, and I'm seeing Arizona right now. Like we've got our OG bands like Begged for Life, Get a Grip, you know, War Prison, like the bands that have been around for years like they're still around they're still here they're still willing to play shows but there's no offers for them to play shows anywhere else besides in arizona when we're doing shit so it's like we're control we're trying our scene is strong there's a lot of young kids that have come along that we haven't we we have no idea who they are like literally like like tsunami came on a tuesday and it was sold out show like full of kids i've never seen before that are like 18 17 16 like crazy so I know the potential is there for the scene to get bigger. And I think it's about just like fostering, like everyone's welcome type thing, type deal, um, which I think we've done a pretty good job of recently. And uh, like we got, we got new bands putting on, like there's one life taken doing their metallic hardcore thing. Um, younger bands like murder eight heresy, like bands from the reservation, they have shows on the reservation and, finally bringing them into the fold and getting venues like play where you're allowed like just we're, we're trying to mesh everyone together so that there's no gap between the scenes there shouldn't be because it's all the same music like right. it's all the same style or it's all the same intent is to have fun have a good time fucking mosh <laughs> yeah of course and yeah like i i guess like is there every scene has like their own challenges when it comes to like venues and all ages shit. And like, I've only, I've only gone to one show in uh, Phoenix specifically. Um, and it was at the Nile, but like, I didn't know that the Nile and the underground, which is like the up and down. basement. Yeah. It's mm. the up and down, but like I've seen videos in the, I, I think the the show that I went to, I think like dance gamut dance was like playing upstairs and the show I was going to is downstairs. So, um, <laughs> It's cool that it can run in Tamden, but is it a bit of a like a struggle when you know, like, um, you know, like I think did Pain of Truth play at the Nile for their, I guess Phoenix. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is is it a bit of like a you know you look at Unit Four and you look at the Nile and the there's there's a lot of space in between there. Well, bro, like Unit Four was three minutes one way, two minutes that way to get there right oh, they were very it was close literally a, it was literally like a mechanics parking garage where you go and get your car service and we convinced them to let us run a space there not knowing it's a venue so we kept that alive for two to three years like unit four was like always meant to be because i needed a spot where i can not only practice my band but like book bands that come through that need my help etc like i book and there i book fucking danny diablo like scammed us like crazy crazy weird interactions that like shouldn't have happened have happened at unit four and then we started doing cross genre shows right so arizona is hard to find places to book at if you don't have the right packages 
unit four was a small enough venue to take those packages that like couldn't like pull enough people. Right. And I, I don't think it cannibalized the Nile too much. You know what I mean? Cause like the Nile still gets the big packages. We never got a big, yeah. big package, but we would book our own shows. We would do our own thing, but just got shut down. Like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like it just wasn't meant like, wasn't meant to last. It was meant to be as a venue. We need a spot. I feel like we've all, I've, I've always needed a spot, but as far as Arizona goes, like Nile theater underground Crescent ballroom, there's a couple venues, but like, it's tough, man. Like the one house show that we had got shot up. Like the venues get shut down because people fight. Like it's just, it's way different. It's a wild West, man. Like, well, yeah, little, the wild West of, uh, you know, the desert. Um, it really reminded me when I was seeing unit four in the, in the cycle. And, you know, since we're talking about the Nile here, like there's a, there was a there was a DIY venue in Vancouver, which is like you know on the on the west coast uh, part of Canada, and it was called Three Through Three. I only went to one show there, but it was it was the spot for like you know it was the same kind of setup. It was like a mechanics garage, threw shows there, but like you would have bands play the fucking big theater that's like for 800 cap and then they would play an after set like a couple hours later there to like 200 kids and have a way sicker response you know that's some philly shit like philly does that like every time i've gone to this is hardcore there's always like after shows like every time there's a good like like spot that can fill out like you can fill out the spots near a good scene there's always cool after parties there's always cool after shows where you, like you said, the kids are more stoked because they got in. They're gonna mosh hard. They have more fun. Like yeah, no it. barriers. Like I think, I think the, one of the last ones that happened was, um, I think it was like uh, Stick to Your Guns had like a tour package with Candy and See Space oh. Cowboy and a couple other like I think Rotting Out. And so I think Candy and See Space Cowboy like just played till like you know one thirty in the morning or something but like they were like yeah that was a way better vibe than playing to 800 kids who are just standing there like bobbing their heads along yeah just staring at you yeah <laughs> um we, we've talked about unit four so much but i feel like we should kind of go into like the context about like you know running that spot and kind of you know we, we've talked about a few of those things but like what are like a couple like key memories for you from that Fuck, man, like unit four was insane. So like when we started doing cross genre shows, we would hit up SoundCloud rappers or like we knew people or whoever it was, right? Mm-hmm. They would they would bring like tons of people, like overpack the place into the parking lot. They'll build a stage in the in the venue. Like they'll bring their own stage. Like they're crazy. Like they're rich. Like they're they would go crazy. And the, and the amount of shit that happened at unit four, like the amount of shows we had, the cross genre shows, the, the the death metal shows, the beatdown shows, like the most memorable ones are the ones that got like way out of control. And then we had to like bear mace the crowd and like, like straight up, like kick people out and like drag people out by their hair. Cause like, they're not cooperating. It was like just me and like two people running security at like a fucking 100 cap venue like <laughs> and, they're, they're, and they're bringing like 400 people like right right so there was that there's the time the po officer showed up and like i was making sure i wasn't in violation of parole and like <laughs> i was so i was like hiding inside the venue oh shit <laughs> You're like, like, don't, don't let him get inside here 
<laughs> Straight yeah, up, like, no one's home. Yeah, yeah. To, I, I'm trying to remember because I, I was just like, this is one of the coolest ass things I've seen uh, f- from your world. Um, we're, I can't remember if there was a show that you were running and someone was because there's a bunch of like graffiti and just like art that yeah. people would do. It, like, but I'm trying to remember this right. We're, was someone tagging while a band was playing? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. So that Bro, was a common yeah. occurrence. Yeah, that's yeah, that's unit four for you. Like yeah. that's in a nutshell. Like we don't give a fuck at that place. Like if you come and you respect me, you respect the rules, you're fine. And we had a great time, bro. If it was still running, I'd be the happiest guy alive. But unfortunately, like legally, I was not on the lease and I cannot control the downfall. So at the end of the day, it is what it is. But one day I think I will open a venue. Um it's just a matter of time, I think. It's just not it's not an if, it's a when. Yeah. I think I think that there are definitely people that are like they think like because I think about that all the time. It's like I just want to have a space that I can like do my podcast and like hang out with my friends like upstairs and then downstairs maybe there's there needs to be some kind of business end to kind of like generate the income to make it happen but then there's you know after 5 p.m all the normies leave and then the hardcore kids come in exactly that's that's the dream is like build a business where you can also have the shows happen and that that's what we've done in arizona is like use homie spots like like Jimmy from the beautiful ones, the guitarist just opened up, like he's, he runs a food truck. He just opened up a brick and mortar and is doing that now. So like, we'd like hit up someone like him be like, Hey, can we play a show at your spot? And like, we would do it back in the day. Like that's how we would find our spots. Right. But uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely tough. It's not as easy as it used to be, but luckily like everyone's on good terms and if we need to date somewhere, like if we need the underground, we, we, we get the underground, like, but it's just, we need more than just that. We need something in Phoenix. We need something because this is East Mesa. We're talking about, we have the whole Valley. We have Tucson, we have Flagstaff. We got bands everywhere hours away. Like, and they have their venues. Like we play backyards in Tucson and we've played, you know? Yeah. And sometimes like you, like being in Arizona, you don't want to be playing outside you don't, in the no. middle of the summer. <laughs> you don't and especially like on concrete like moshing on concrete and hurting yourself like not fun yeah like a lot of the outside shows suck here but like we do that a lot um i know tucson's a big fan of the outside scene they they had a spot but i think it just got fire department fucked um but that one just opened and closed i forgot the name it was like so quick it's like as soon as they open they catch us and like but unit four survived because we're in a gated fucking community. Like you got to get in the gate and then find the spot. The cops could never get in. Like they would be waiting in patrol cars. Cause they'd see everyone in there. They could never get in the gate. We'd lock the oh, gate. Interesting. We, would, we, would, we would unplug the gate. So the cops couldn't get in and we just let the show go after a certain time. No one else can get in. Right. Like that type of vibe. That's so funny. You guys are just like hot, like just messing with the actual wiring of the gates. <laughs> but we didn't want them in. And there's only yeah, one, one so exit. Smart. It's like you got, and then at the end of the night, plug it back in, let everyone leave. The cops like try to catch some people, but they don't. And it's like, we get away with it because they don't know what unit was doing it. Mm. So easy. easy. It was fun. Easy. Was fun. <laughs> were, were there any, I guess like in your experience doing unit four, thinking about like if there's something in the future whether that's a year from now or five or ten years from now was there any like moments that you like 
had like a lesson learned from doing that you're like oh like i'm glad that i know this now if i was going to do my own venue again always have security always have security that's literally it like everything else was smooth as can be there's just times when like one person can't handle everything or like two people can't handle everything it's like i would be on stage with a fucking baseball bat (laughs) straight straight up next to the band playing making sure kids are staying in line because like Unit four got crazy a lot. So it's like, right. just respect the spot. That's it. But in the future, just people will know in the future when I open a venue to respect the spot. Of course. Yeah. If not, if not security, definitely learn that lesson. Yeah. The security is this baseball back coming to yeah. your teeth. Facts. Facts. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think that's interesting too, because you also need to have that person either from the culture or who can understand it because we've all seen the security videos of some band like terror playing because they're on tour with fucking black beaten ass like everyone's beating security's ass and like yeah my the rollo is my go-to guy he's in sledgehammer as well rollo from zodiac um he's run security at like eight bars out here he's the guy i would call if i need help but he's uh it's actually playing a show tonight. Nozo's playing a show tonight. When is that? A couple hours. Anyways, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I got to. I can't support. go too long. I got to go see Nozodiac. <laughs> got to support the homies. Best way later. Yeah. Um. Since you brought up Sledgehammer, that's one of the, you know, last projects that I definitely want to make sure that we chat about. Um. Kind of a unexpected surprise to like, but like knowing, you know, just off of the conversations that we having, it was like, a no-brainer for you to be also doing vocals in a slam band. Yeah. Um, I think the name is like so right. And the artwork for the first drop, I was like, holy fuck, this is like just wait some till mosaic, you see, like Jesus shit. Just wait till you see the artwork for like the actual release, because we released a single after that with something that our homie gave us. And I was like, let's just like wait for the full release. And we didn't. So when that full drop comes out and you see that album art, you're going to love it if you love the first one, bro, because it's it's cohesive. It's amazing. Sledgehammer's like Rolo, No Zodiac, Dylan, No Zodiac, Taylor, X Easy Money, and myself. So that's the band that has the X Easy Money. Okay, so and, maybe that's where I was getting a little yes, tripped up. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So Taylor plays bass in Sledgehammer. And we're essentially just been a studio band, but we've got like fucking nine songs written, just trying to dial in which ones are like the ones we want. And uh, that's a project that I'm the most excited about after Two Guns, but almost at the same time, just as excited, just because it's so much fun. Like hitting those ranges is fun. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's always been the thing that I've always been very impressed by you because it's like uh, oh i also i also have to give you credit for helping put me on to uh my one of my favorite european bands which is guilt trip because you did a feature on their ep and jay and i have become friends now like it's pretty pretty wild Um, but the fact that you can do the highs the lows the growls this man can sing like it seems like you can just do it all. And that's always been very intriguing to me, especially 
recently as I've like moved into a vocalist spot and I'm like kind of finding things out on my own. Like, like, is there any vocal influences that you take from or you yes. are you just like a full combination of all the shit that you were just finding about? Yeah, that? I would say anything I've ever heard, I've tried to duplicate or replicate. Um and I will try and try and try until I fail or succeed or break my voice, right? Like, um, as far as techniques go, I don't have one. Like, I don't know what fry scream is or fucking whatever terms they use. Um, I just know that I can exhale certain noises. And in the studio, Dylan really pushes me to, like, see how far I can go. And he's unlocked this range that you heard in Sledgehammer on that first drop. That's, like super low, super high breeze, like able to hit everything. And the hardcore shit's just natural, like screaming, like easy. Like you don't really think about it too much. It's the death core shit's more like you got to have the finesse and the, you got to hit the timings. Right. And the new songs are going to blow everyone away. I'm excited to drop those. I think it's going to be like, there's no band that sounds like the, the shit we got going on right now. No. And I, I don't know. I'm selfishly like I'm, I'm trying to, manifest a fucking sledgehammer facelift and peeling flesh show of some kind i would love to we love them yeah we keep in touch too i would love to do that if they come to arizona we'll get on it um sledgehammer just needs to release the next one and and then i guarantee you'll you'll hear more from us bro because it's gonna shake things up a little bit remember job cowboy what's that you remember the band job for cowboy of course yeah so arizona was like known for job for a cowboy right like that's years and years and years ago they don't rep our city they don't care about the scene they don't play shows here they haven't in forever mm. uh i think initially with sledgehammer i was like let's do a job for a cowboy thing like let's just like be known for being the insane band from arizona that's death metal right like yeah. we have gate creeper they're awesome right but the style obviously way different. Right, for sure. Do you think that there's like I think excuse me. This uh this zone hidden. Yeah, it's hidden different. I'm um this is a solid nine. If I'm gonna hit the Bev scale, I'm into this. I'm gonna switch to the pink drink. Oh. Mm. Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. Every time. It's it's the actual it's the actual strawberries in there that are sending it to a full status. Um, do you think that Arizona has like is a scene where it's like people don't realize that band is from there? Because sometimes like yeah, I, I get like, it. oh yeah, Gate Creeper is from Arizona. Oh yeah, yeah. Beautiful Ones is from, like yeah, we are off the map in that sense. People do not do not know what we've never had. Like there's been Arizona death metal fests and things like that in the past that I've attended. Like saw winds of plague back in the day in 2013 like there's been fests of that caliber with those styles of bands mm. um every now and then we'll have a hardcore festival but i do not think that anybody who listens to us knows where we're from unless we're repping it you know what i mean like you have to say you're from arizona for them to know what arizona is because right. they think west coast east coast maybe florida that's where the hardcore bands maybe come some from. Midwest, maybe some maybe. southern shit. Yeah. Yeah, maybe some southern shit. Like, yeah, like not you see what knock loose did to fucking the bands out there. Like every band out there has attention now, right? Like mm. 
it's good. It's good when a band comes out and emerges. And I think that like when Gate Creeper came out and emerged, like people started looking at Arizona more, but there weren't a lot of bands active at the time. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. That's a very good point actually. Yeah. And then now there's a ton of bands active currently. So yeah, hopefully like we can put ourselves on the map, but that's literally up to us playing good music and making good music. Yeah. No, I, I just think that's a very interesting point. It's like when a band is having a, like a moment, if there aren't, other bands in the mix it'll just be like oh that's like the one-off and i i think people will jump to those conclusions a little bit more especially if a scene is like a little bit more underdog like exactly like it's very apparent even going back a couple years ago when it was like the gulch tsunami like all the bay bands like there's even more bay bands that people were you know Mm -hmm. um finding out about and are popping now which is great to see but because they were so hard right Right. But they exactly. had like the band. So it's like, you know, if you only have we like, did not. yeah, I mean, we had three bands and then like one's popping. We weren't all connected like we are now. And it's like all different back then. Like right. the, the time and place will come for, for Arizona to be like, that's an Arizona band. I can tell, like, I feel like that time will come for everyone everywhere. It's all circular, you know, eventually a band pops off somewhere and then creates a chain reaction of bands. And then, you know, it's been, what is it like? Started in middle school. So it's almost been a decade and like a couple, like a couple years that I've been going to shows. And like, I've seen the waxing and the waning and the waxing and the waning. And it's like the strongest it's ever been right now. So I'm stoked. Yeah. Do you think that there's any, I guess, like misconceptions about like just Arizona in general, whether like hardcore or not, that you can dispel? No. No. Okay. Uh, on that question, no. It's hot. <laughs> it's dry. Dry. Um, I think uh, like there's a certain stigma, but I think that's been solved. Okay. What's what's the best Arizona exclusive? And that could be like food, uh, chains, like like store chains. Anything that's like, yeah, this is ours. Let me think. This is a good one. El Gordo Mexican food. El Gordo. El Gordo Mexican food is like if you ever go to Arizona, if you type in El Gordo, it's not going to look the best. I promise. It's like attached to a gas station but it's the most authentic Mexican food. It's delicious. I cannot stop eating it. Yeah. The, the third, the, <laughs> the third hit is, uh, is in Tempe and it's not a photo of the restaurant. It's the photo of the gas station attached. To it. <laughs> That's so sick. Yeah. yeah. It's actually like beyond good. And like, I'll tell my friends like, yo, let's head up El Gordo. It's still open. They'll be like a gas station food. I'm like, bro, trust me. And then they eat it. <laughs> and they're like, fuck. Yeah. It yeah, knocks. Next- the park. The next time I'm there, I'm hitting I'm hitting El Gordo. We'll go together. Dude, I would love that straight up. Yeah. Um well, uh Troy, as we start to end kind of like towards the end of the episode, um I always end all of our podcasts with a kind of a go-to mosh story of yours. And that could be I did this, this happened to me, it happened at a show I was playing or a show I was attending, whatever's like the first year head when it comes to like moshing and uh and the violence and all that good shit. I think like breaking every bone in my hand during <laughs> very nasty in Germany. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was like kind of doing the thing where you're like spinning around the crowd, hitting everybody, right? Like, oh, you that. kind of do the um, you know those uh, uh, those toys where it's like the sticky hands and you're like throwing it. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah. you do that, and then yeah, just and then, but you, but then you just go around and around and around, exactly. Like, exactly. Doing one of those, and someone's fucking head was hard, and I broke like all of it, all of the hand. That was my that was my favorite monster. Like you punch Wolverine in the face or something. Yes, I have no oh, idea who it was. You. They hurt me more than I hurt them. And at that point, I was like, "Nasty, you're great, but my hand hurts. I gotta go." And luckily, <laughs> luckily, healthcare is free. So that's good in in Europe. Yeah, they fix they fixed me right up after, and they were Damn. like, they were like, "You're good to go." And then, uh, funny story after that, I'll give you one more sure. funny story from the road. Um, our guitarist was like, my, my dick is burning. I'm peeing. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts. Like maybe it's the water from Europe. Like maybe it's like this, that I couldn't tell what it was. So like, as they're fixing my hand, he's bringing it up to the paramedics and we're like in a McDonald's parking lot. And, uh, he's like, my dick hurts. He's like freaking out. And then all the paramedics were laughing cause he had gonorrhea and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And all the, par- and all the paramedics were trying to like talk to him but they speak german and all they could say was that word and he's like no he's like screaming in the parking lot and people at mcdonald's are laughing at him that was like the best one from europe for sure germans just know the word gonorrhea and, and not much that's else I, <laughs> I guess that's it um well troy i'm honestly this this has been a personal fave of of mine this season um i really appreciate you giving me some of your time and chatting about your bands um you know like not to not to like over oversell it but like i really admire a lot of the the musical work that you've done and uh i think it's influenced me a lot over the years especially with my projects um all the links for your shirt will be in the in the description of this podcast in the um in the show notes anything you want to plug anything you want to send the people off on or anything you want to shout out just keep an eye on arizona that's it um also, Spencer, thank you for having me. I've been waiting for this as well. Happy to have you, friend. And uh, I hope we get to do it again uh, sometime soon. And uh, sure. El Gordo, to El be Gordo. determined as to when, yes. but it's going to happen. Yes, sir.